You ready? Showtime. On May 3rd, summer starts with the fall guy. What are you doing later? Let's drink a spicy margarita. Make some bad decisions. Yes. Audiences are falling in love with the most entertaining film of the year. Fall guy. Fall guy. Fall guy. That's what the poster said. See Ryan Gosling and Emily Blunt in the movie critics say exists to make you happy. Trying to make it out? Nope. Because I don't either. It's not what I'm into right now. What are you into? Talking. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> the Fall Guy. Only in theaters May 3rd. Rated PG-13. Get ready for the greatest roast of all time: The Roast of Tom Brady. A Netflix live event happening May 5th, hosted by Kevin Hart. The seven-time world champion gets his cleats held to the fire by famous friends and frenemies on an unforgettable night where everything is fair game. Tune in on May 5th at 5 p.m. Pacific time for The Roast of Tom Brady, live only on Netflix. Mom deserves the best, and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market. They're your destination for unbeatable savings. From premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts, start by saving 33% with Prime on all body care and candles. Then get a 15-stem bunch of tulips for just $9.99 each with Prime. Round out Mom's menu with festive rosé, irresistible berry chantilly cake, and more special treats. Come celebrate Mother's Day at Whole Foods Market. It is the weekend of Neil Atkinson here in front of me. I've got Joel Sanderson, Murray, John Gibbons and Gareth Roberts. To come, I've got Robbie O'Neill talking about Seconds Out, his film there. Jacob Hickey on the Liverpool Independent Wine Festival that's starting off. And Charlie Eccleshare to talk to us about Tottenham Hotspur from The Athletic before the weekend's game. But we're going to start off talking about the brilliance of Genk. But we've got to say, you know, we've got to start with the goals, start off with how fantastic Liverpool were in front of goal. And Gareth... I think you've got to go back years to imagine a Liverpool game with as many great goals as there were in that one. All four of them are picture book. They're all special in their own way. They're all delightful. If anything, his opener, uh, Oxlade Chamberlain, is the the most mundane of the lot, and that's a twenty five yarder. Yeah, yeah. It's like that uh, eighty seven, eighty eight. I think it was when like every goal in the goal of the season was a Liverpool goal. Yeah, yeah. Um, it was one of them, wasn't it? And do you know what I was actually thinking the other day? Like I was thinking. We scored like lots of fairly mundane ones lately. It hasn't been an absolute screamer, and like I've been throwing like boss goals up on my Twitter, just enjoying myself throwing old Liverpool boss goals up. I've got, I've got and to say, by the way, if you're not currently following Gareth's Twitter, <laughs> it's the best thing you can look at at eight a.m. It is, it is, it is my life eight a.m. highlight. Is I wonder what he's popped up today. When you put that Firmino one on the other day, I nearly let me top off. I'm not just because I should have had a shower. But, it's, but that's what I mean. It's anyone, anyone from anywhere at any time who loves football loves to see a great goal, and, and we got a load of them the other night, and it was brilliant. And, and I love the way, like you know, no matter what's going on, and no matter how you know, sometimes you're a bit like oh, another match or whatever because you've been going for three decades or whatever it is or more. You know, you do, you still get moments, don't you, where you're like open mouth, where you're like wow, and when Oxlade Chamberlain saying that one on it was like, well, where did that come from? How did he see that? How's he done it? And it was like, and it is all the cliches, you know, everyone will be trying it on the playground, everyone will be trying it in <laughs> yeah. Sunday League, yeah. um, and all the rest And I'll be it. really clear, failing. Yeah, I was going to say, <laughs> no one will be able to do it. No one will be able to get it to just kiss the bar and, and go across the line the way it did. It was beautiful. It was. I mean, John, it's spectacular. And, you know, you can do all the other stuff around the game. And, you know, there's questions around the way in which they managed to break on us and was there enough pressure on the midfield and etc 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 but sometimes you've got to sort of come away from a football match and just go oh my god and that 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 Oxley chamberlain goal is just one of them yeah it's brilliant i actually watched it in a, in a pub in glasgow because i was up there doing doing some 
some work up there, so I watched it up there and it was funny because the pub was a mix of like Liverpool fans and there was quite a few Italians in there because uh, Celtic are playing Lazio tomorrow night. So there was quite a few Italians in there. So they were all watching the Inter Milan game because it was on, they were showing both. And then there was a few people in there just having a drink. But it was one of them where the Chamberlain goal everyone's watching it by the replays do you know what I mean because yeah. you know the Liverpool fans have gone oh well you know what I mean making making noises as in get on that and so by the time of the replays second third replays just everyone in the pub was just watching this amazing goal and you know it, it's absolutely you know spectacular as you say goal you don't see a lot you know the style how he's hit it you know they're just the aesthetic of, of of bouncing kind of up and down from the bar not quite sure whether it's in or not and then it's there and and yeah just made up for him because obviously it's his first goal for 18 months you know for obvious reasons you know he's hardly played and so for him to be you know back amongst the goals and getting the first two and, and such great ones as well brilliant for his confidence Joel oh the last little thing on the aesthetic is the body language of the keeper it's all, oh, come on. It's it's everything that you want from the goalkeeper. Oh, it's brilliant. And he's like that for the first goal as well, the goalkeeper. Cause, I, I think he's like that for the first one because he's rubbish, Joel. I'm not going to lie to you. <laughs> <laughs> but for the second one, for the second one, to be fair to him, I mean, there's nothing he can do or any keeper can do. <sighs> it's absolutely beautiful, isn't it? And you know what? The game before, Chelsea versus Ajax, Batshuayi scores not as good as Ox's goal, but it's the one when it hits the bar and bounces down and goes in. And there should be more of those goals out there. <laughs> and just, I, I don't think any more goals should be allowed unless they do hit the bar or post and go in because they just look absolutely beautiful. But it's one more, you, you could have just added a bit, a few raindrops, even being fussy. <laughs> <laughs> you know what I mean? A few raindrops. Nail the aesthetic fell from the bar as well. That would have been nice. But you know, I actually prefer pick, you know. Manny's goal though because it, 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 on first look it looks so easy, but when you actually look at what he does in the replay and how close the goalkeeper actually shuts the space down, it's phenomenal what he does there. It's, I mean, that's another, it's another belt to Gareth and it's another good team goal. The good thing about that one is, you know, the three lads up front all playing together or getting uh, getting to be on the same pitch again. And they've looked a little stuttery at times this season for all of Liverpool's terrific results. Last night, to me, very much felt like they were announcing themselves in some way that this is they're, they're going to play some serious football now. Yeah, there was all kinds going on, wasn't there? And, you know, that was a superb goal, as Joel says, but also... The, the goal that nearly was as well with Firmino's audacious uh, <laughs> pass, which I don't even know how he attempts it, never mind pulls it off. Um, and if that goes in again, it's, an, it's another one, isn't it? And it, it did feel a little bit like that. You know, he had Keita passing it with his back. First um, touch. Yeah, his first touch <laughs> on, on, on his comeback, if you like. Go ahead. Um, and and it, there was a lot of strut about it, and I love that because, you know, obviously there's been question marks since the Old Trafford uh, results. And, you know, I almost, I've said this on a few things now, but I think it's going too far now, all this. You know, like I get that there's 24-7 media and analysis of everything, but sometimes there just isn't a crisis. Sometimes it's just a draw at Old Trafford yeah. and it's yeah. all right. Yeah. Yeah. What does it all mean? <laughs> yeah. It, means it doesn't mean much, yeah. It doesn't mean much. It means Man United put the most effort they've ever put into a football match and they could still only draw against against Liverpool at home. And then we move on and look, Liverpool are brilliant and they're showing it the other night. It is. Uh, it's all really fair, that from Gareth. And I think the other thing that sort of gets lost is that sometimes... and. A lot of us don't like this. You don't like the idea that you can sort of distill it down to sometimes the lads don't play so well and then the next time the lads play better, John. And there should be, you know, obviously there's there's long-term trends and there's a manager's job and all of that sort of stuff. But the truth of the matter is one of the main things Liverpool did against Genk that they didn't do against all, uh, didn't do against Manchester United was play well. And not even like play well for like 20 minutes, but like play well for 60 seconds. And if you play well for 60 seconds and you've got the players Liverpool have got, then the ball might end up in the back of the net. 
Yeah, no, exactly. And, and look, another thing we did that we did, didn't happen against Old Trafford is you go one up straight away. Do you know what I mean? And that changes the game as well. That changes how you play. It changes how the opposition play. You know, they had to then they might have had a game plan that, that similar to Manchester United's that then goes out the window because they've got to try and take the game to Liverpool, which which opens up a little bit more space. Um, I think there was obviously more attacking players on the pitch for Liverpool, which which means you know you're going to be better going forward, but means you might get in a bit troubled going the other way as well, which obviously happened, you know, on occasion. I don't think quite as much as people were making out, but I think you know the way the way at times when when it's obviously this line's were not putting this flag up thing that's killing because <laughs> the number of times you're like you know there's even yeah. stuff that ends up going out for corners and throw-ins or do you rebuild the play when if they just scored and then it had been looked at by the cameras, it would have actually just been offside. Yeah, it's 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 really frustrating me to be honest with you in a quite an obviously impotent way because I can't change it but the number of times I'm now currently watching my football matches thinking, just put your flag up yeah. it's a yard and a half off just put your flag up yeah yeah it's it's it, a lot of them were sort of you know offsides or borderlines and things like that but you know if you know it's but you know I mean you, you expect that with, with, the, with the sort of team you play really if you're basically playing five forwards and, and Chamberlain was playing as a number 10 and, and that was that was great because obviously you know you see the position he takes up for both goals and the, and the great hits and all that but also you know just, just having someone in that position giving the, the, the defence a sort of a lot to think about a, a real kind of asset for us or something kind of wasn't there at the weekend so much better from an attacking point of view obviously the, the you know, they get the goals this time as well, but also as you say, that that third goal is is what you want to see from a Liverpool team. So the belters are great, but that's like Liverpool at its best, that third one. So it was great to see that, and you know, especially looking forward to the to the weekend. You know, I'm sure Spurs fans would have been watching that third goal and thinking, oh god, that, that'll take us about as well. I think there's a definition of, of shackles off yesterday. I think I think Klopp's game plan going into that, and the team's game plan going into that was you'll give me three plus goals at the very least. Because I'm not, I'm not saying we needed it, but we, we've not demolished the team so straightforward for for a while. And I'm, I'm not having that we were we were um, uh, shaky at the back or anything like that because those offsides they, they were offsides and they're not they're not those those events shouldn't happen because they should have been offside. Um, I, I do think on one hand on on the caveat to this that Fabinho is probably coming to the, the dressing room afterwards and going, "Don't do that to me again," because <laughs> I'm running that feel by myself. You are playing those two next to me again and doing that again. But it was fun to watch. It's fun to watch. Um, Milner starts right back. Gareth ahead of Joe Gomez. No trends because of a virus. He gets Gomez on for half an hour. Gomez does get half an hour out of the game. I'm intrigued by this Gomez you know that we may not know for a couple of weeks but Gomez suddenly feels like he might be fourth in the centre half pecking order not getting picked at right back it just he's, he's one of the question marks that comes out of the game yeah definitely and it's I think not not very long ago we were all predicting very big things for him and expecting him you know even to, to start the season at one point and you know it was between him and Matip and then Matip played so well that it was definitely Matip but people were still you know, you still had it in your the front of your brain that how well Gomez had played not very long ago. He and plays all of the Charity Shield, does yeah. he? And, yeah. I, and it's like he's, he's he's fell off a little bit of a cliff. And, and as you say, we don't know, do we? We don't know what's gone on behind the scenes, whether there's maybe been a niggle that's not being discussed or whatever. But it seems a little bit strange. I mean, maybe as well though that you know, with with love from playing and. You look, I took some pelters for slacking him off, but I'm not really sure why, because I don't know why he makes the mistake he makes. It's very lovering thing to do. It's a very, you know, like backing yourself in a, a particular moment that you don't need to. Just just go back to the old school defender, put it out, regroup, and, and we're all fine. And we're all talking about another solid performance from him if he doesn't do that. But Leicester, he was really good. 
And so maybe it was the Leicester performance that made the manager go, okay, well, you deserve to be in again. And maybe the Milner thing over Gomez then at right back was just just the, having the experience on the pitch maybe and, and having someone who could lead the team as the captain. Yeah, it's it's annoying with the Lovren thing, isn't it? Because he had had a pretty good game until then. But as you say, Gareth, you know, just deal with the percentages there. You don't have to don't have to be clever. It's four 0 going into the end of a game, and I'm not quite sure what he's thinking. You know, on Gomez, I think I think Jürgen seems fairly relaxed about it. Is what I'd say. You know, he's asked after the game, and he said, "Oh, we just decided to go with Milner in this one." You know, you, you pick another fella. You know, we want to see Milner getting games as well, and so you know, he's just gone for him. But Gomez gets us half an hour and does well. I think. I think they're probably relaxed about Gomez. I think maybe just a bit of a thought of he's not playing that well at the moment. We've got enough defenders to cover for it. I think Lovren's obviously coming against Leicester and surprised a few people, maybe even the coaches at Liverpool with his performance. So he gets his other goal. I'm sure Joe Gomez's time will come again at Liverpool because he's too talented. There's enough. There's enough games coming up for Gomez to get his game time. Forgetting this, that November and December are going to be absolutely chocker, aren't they? And um, Klopp has shown us the last two seasons anyway that we've started with a team in August, September, October and that team completely looks different in, in February, March you know, going off the facts of that that could change again, that could happen again this season and Gomez could work his way back in he's a talented lad, he's young enough he's still got years ahead of him I don't think it's too much of a problem It's. I think it's interesting Johnny goes it's Iriu comes off the bench, but that could be in part because of its hometown. Uh, yeah, I think so. Uh, rather than Brewster, it might have been an opportunity to get Brewster on. But you understand when you see the acclaim that Origi gets, and it's a bit of a reminder, really. I know you've done. You mentioned before being up in Scotland, and I know you've done a lot of sort of different bits and pieces of travelling and talking about Liverpool players recently. That like places like the fact that they've produced a European champion yeah. that we can, you know, you and I sort of remember it back when McManaman won the European Cup for Real Madrid. I remember being actually quite pleased for him and thinking, I'm really pleased that a, a Liverpool player and a Liverpool lad has done that. But you sort of forget that in the the, the turmoil of modern football. But for those those gang supporters, it was a big deal that Origi comes on the pitch. Yeah, it was a big deal. And I mean, what an ovation for someone who actually never even played for the first team, did he? You know, he was there as a young player and his dad played for them. So, so it's... It, it's a you know a, a, an unusual situation, a unique situation, if you like, because he probably feels you know fairly connected to the club for someone who didn't actually kind of play for the first team. But it was nice to see, and it's a reminder, as you say, in the travel, and I've done a reminder as well of that these footballers, you know, they don't just belong to you; they belong to other people, they belong to other places, uh, they belong to say to, to other clubs or whatever. And a club like a gang will know their position and know their hierarchy. You know, they've qualified for the Champions League this year, and that's brilliant for them. But you know, it might not be the case necessarily next year, another third in the league at the moment. And so, you know, the case it might might be Europa League next year or, or maybe even not that. And so and so they'll they'll know that generally speaking, you know, they're not gonna win the Champions League. So for one of their boys to to do it, to go and win it's um, you know, brilliant, they're proud and, and and they should be rightfully proud of him because he's a he's a good lad, a brilliant pro and he's and he's always got that winning goal now in um, in the European Cup final. So you have an uh they haven't got as many European Cup winners as Nosley, though, have they? You know what I mean? Let's really remember what matters here. Nosley's got Gerard, it's got Thompson, it's got it's got Dennis Mortimer. You know, three from from one small place. Oh. You know, bring it on, Gank. I, lo- I love the idea that Gank and Nosley and are locked in battle forever. Do you know what? Liverpool have got this young star at the moment called Stewart, and I found out the other day he was from Height, and I was like, I was going to be unbearable about this now. Get in. <laughs> excellent stuff, excellent stuff. Listen, we've got loads of fantastic stuff coming. 
gentlemen, for you on the show this week. And thank you very much indeed, John. Joel and Gareth uh, will be back uh, with them to talk about the Tottenham game. Charlie Eccleshare will be joining us to talk about the Tottenham game as well. That is to come. Jacob Hickey uh, talking about the Independent Wine Festival. But first and foremost, we've got Robbie O'Neill talking about his film Seconds Out. Uh, we'll be back in a sec. Our friends at Harry's have been back on, John. Oh, yeah. Yeah, good on them. Good on them indeed. I've got a Harry's success story, you know, from last night. No way. Yeah, I was in, um, I was in Glasgow with... Um, went up with Jordan, who's 21. He is. Would you say? Yeah. Um, I mean, I've got no idea the ages of any of our teams, to be quite honest <laughs> He's with just you. graduated uni, so let's say he's around he 21. Is 21, I think, yeah. He and, um, so we went up to do, and he, he, we, we did some work up there, we did some filming, and then so we were in the pub uh, watching the Chelsea thingy game. Uh, they played before, who did he play? Ajax, Ajax. before yep. the Liverpool game. I've heard of was there, and a girl come over to like uh, clear the table or whatever, and then I said, "Oh, thanks very much." And she had a jump, and she said, "Oh, I just thought you were a, you two were students or something until you talked." And she thought me and Jordan were the same age. Wow! Until I talked with this big boomy voice that I've got, and then she had a bit of a shock. And then, and then obviously she looked more closely at me and realised I'm nearly forty. But for that point, but I'd had a shave just before it went out because we were interviewing someone and I wanted to look the best. So I'd had a Harry's shave just before. Wow! So I'm giving Harry's the assist. Rightly her. so. For, for, for this barmaid, um, at a glance, thinking that me and Jordan were the same age. Thinking that you were a svelte, attractive 21-year-old man. <laughs> well, I don't know about svelte. But, well, uh, but... let's not talk ourselves down. <laughs> Notice ourselves. But yeah, I'm giving, I'm fully giving Harry as the assist. That closer shave that my baby face was coming through when she told me and Jordan were the same age. Incredible stuff. Incredible, <laughs> brilliant work. I absolutely adore it. Uh, we have been talking about Harry's for a while. Uh, and as you know, uh, Jeff and Andy... Uh, did the business. They were two guys who were fed up with getting ripped off. So they decided to start this thing uh, and then they bought their own factory uh, and then they've sold directly over the internet and I've offered the blades at half price. They are three ninety five for a trial set at this stage. It is three ninety five uh, at this sort of point. You've got a you've got the Harry set on your desk or was that the one that you used? That was the one I took yeah, so you so took with you. So they sent me another one. Wow, this is amazing. So they sent me a new one and then uh, it's been sat on my desk for a couple of weeks as you've noticed and then I forgot to bring you know, you know, when you pack in the morning so, and yep. then you've got to go to work and then do something. Yeah, you always, yeah. always forget something, don't you? So, um, so yeah, Anne took me shaving stuff and I thought, I haven't shaved this morning, I look a bit scuffy. So I thought, that desk, so it was box fresh. Astonishing. Box fresh Harry's, straight on, lathered up, ready to go, getting mistook for a 21-year-old. Uh, within the box, in box <laughs> fresh, it was a weighted ergonomic handle, the five precision engineer blades with the lubricating strip and the trimmer blade. There's the rich lather and shave gel and the travel blade cover. Obviously, John, you had to use that uh, going all the way up to Glasgow Yeah, for I'm going to look after it because it's decent, you know. I know because last time me and you lost our straight away. Yes. Almost immediately. Yes. Um, but, you know, it is, it, is, it is genuinely useful, so I'm going to try and keep hold of it. So the way in which this works is that uh, Harry support us and if you want to support them if you've been looking for some new answers to your shaving base questions it's harrys.com forward slash Anfield harrys.com forward slash Anfield and that trial set will get delivered to you uh, you can try it out 395 with everything that I've just listed you get that for you as well and maybe just maybe you can look as young as Mr John Gibbons <laughs> and it's John Gibbons for the weekend uh, and I'm joined by Robbie O'Neill to talk about seconds out uh, welcome back hello John how are you lad? good well. yeah Good. I know. Um, when you last come in, uh, we talked about this. It was yeah. obviously we were hoping to get it off the ground. There was a crowdfunding 
taking place so we were trying to get people to support yeah uh, now it's it's a it's a finished product it's it's going to be available for people to watch very soon so i mean first of all how pleased are you with it um i'm really pleased with it mate it's i think the the time it took to get off the ground and to get made and to find collaborators was was like borderline it 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 blew me mind how long it took but uh, when we finally had a team in place, it, it kind of moved quite quickly. And then, you know, we were just so lucky that so many people decided to get behind it on, on a fundraising level. And we were able to finish the edits and get it in festivals. And now it's doing it's doing the circus. So it's, uh, it's, it's exactly as I imagined it, but not quite how I imagined it, which is probably good because that yeah. means, you know, the director and everyone else has been able to have... You know, a bit of autonomy and what they've done. So, yeah, I'm, I'm delighted. So, it's it's a short film. It's mm. it's about boxing, but it's more about mental health. And, mm. you know, I've, I've seen you in a few things now. People might have seen you recently uh, talking to Manx about coats <laughs> <laughs> on LFC TV. Um, <laughs> bouncing around the Albert Dock, being very philosophical yeah. about that and all that. It was colder then than it is today. <laughs> Put it that way. <laughs> um, so, people so might have seen you on that. But, you know, I've, I've also seen you a few things. And I'd say you're... Uh, your boxing looks more comfortable than your piano playing. I'd say. Um, I mean, it's obviously a, a a a place where you feel comfortable. The boxing gym. Yeah, yeah. It's. Um, I've been, you know, I've been in one way or another around boxing gyms since I was a kid. Uh, my granddad was a coach. Me and my brothers we all trained when we were, you know, when we were teenagers. Me, my brother is a coach now, and I still, I still train now. So it's. I've always been in and around the sport in one way, shape or form. And um, I just, when I decided to write seconds out and address what I wanted to address, I just thought that it was it was kind of a good a good metaphor for what, for, for kind of the, the ongoing battle against, against like what is essentially a disease. Mm. Um, and also the, the metaphor for like masculinity that, that's attached with boxing because I think in, in many senses, the, the stigmas attached to mental health, um, you know, when it comes to masculinity, are not always helpful. And I I just kind of thought, well, this is something which appeals to people who you'd describe as you'd masculine if you wanted. And I just thought that, I th- yeah, I just... Just, th- yeah, I've gone on a tangent this. Sorry, please. So I know, it's yeah. fine. Um, it, it's just a... So it just felt like something I could I could write about with with prior knowledge and, and with a bit of authority. Um so yeah, I just created the story based on, you know, other people's tales and my own tale. Uh through that. The the character that you play um in in, in the film is is struggling with a few things and it's interesting that, you know, for me that he is a boxer because, you know, it's it's a physical, obviously, profession or, or or hobby, and you know if we if we hurt our hand or whatever, we'd know what to do. Whereas if you if your mind is struggling, you're a bit more unsure. And he's obviously seeking professional help in that, and he's on medication and things like that. But generally speaking, you know we do kind of you know live in a time or society where it's more obvious what you do with physical problems than it is with your mental ones. Yeah, totally. Um... I think what you just pointed out there about if you're at your hand, you go to the doctors or you go to A&E, it's, it's a really good analogy because if if I if I'm suffering with my mental health, I struggle. I, I even to this day I kind of struggle to like say, oh, do I just need to crack on with it? Yeah. 
and it's not helpful. It's it's simply not because you're not doing yourself any favors. And um, there are people out there that you can talk to. Um, I know we were speaking off air when I was about 25, 26. I was really struggling. I was a bit older, 27. I was really struggling, and I was about to leave drama school. And for the first time, I reached out to someone and I spoke to them, and. You know, they, they got me, speaking to them got me through a, a really dark patch, a really dark period of my life. And, you know, I don't I don't know if it saved my life. Uh, you know, I couldn't tell you, but mm. it helped me. Mm. And I came out of it um, more aware of myself. I came out of it knowing that I could, I could cope. And this is the thing. A lot of the time when our mental health is compromised people feel like we can't we simply can't cope and it feels like you can't but with the right help you can and i wanted to make a film which reflected that that nothing and no one is beyond hope Mm. as long as they have help um it would be the easiest thing in the world to look at the the subjects in the film and without too much giving too much away like you know write a tragedy I didn't want that. There's, a, there's enough tragedies out there about working class people and working class subjects. And I wanted to write something which essentially, whether there's a gloomy subject involved or not, there was hope at the end of it. And, you know, I hope I've done that. Yeah. No play without the I mean, I think you have. And I think there's a few things that jump out of it for me. Uh, but And one of them is it's hard. Mm-hmm. And I think, you know, anyone who suggests that it's it's an easy journey as a sort of in for a bit of a shock because I think you know even things like you know is it it if he's a boxer your character and the medication he's on affects his physical states and stuff like that and it's it's things where you know you know he's he's then got a decision to make as and he is like well we'll do it do a work on my mental health or my physical health because one, you know, and and it's just just stuff like that is a reminder that you know these things. You know, working on your mental health is is a tough process, and and there's some things where you have to look at yourself where you're not necessarily gonna like what you see or or things that you're gonna need to bring up from your past that are gonna be difficult. But it is worth it in the long run. It is, and I think one thing I found f- from therapy initially and was this almost instantaneous catharsis. The minute I spoke about different things which I hadn't really spoke about before or opened up about before, it was just like, it was just like someone had taken a rib out of my chest and I could just breathe Mm. more. I could just breathe more and it was, I just felt instantaneously, instantaneously less anxious and um, I think, yeah, it was, I'm sorry, I'm (laughs) kind of like stumbling over it, thinking about how it felt and, um, it wasn't easy. To, the decision to go there wasn't easy because I didn't think it was the type of thing I should do at that time. Um, someone suggested that I should go. Luckily, I took their advice and um, it was, you know, it, it it worked for me. It did work for me. And as I said before, it just it, it made me more like self-aware of, of myself and I'm able, there's more, I'm able to like know where I'm at, you know, maybe if I'm feeling a certain way, maybe I think, oh, I need to be, a, you know, take a bit of pressure off myself here, or I do need to speak to someone, maybe I'll reach out to, you know, to my girlfriend, or, or to a friend, or to a family member, 
Um, or even, you know, I might, I could go back to therapy if, if I needed to. Mm. Um, but I'd, I'd, I, you know, recently I've been, fa- I've, you know, I've been in pretty, pretty fine, you know, fiddle in that respect. But um, I think we need to like really make sure, as, as men as well, we mm. need to actually just lift each other up and we need to say to each other, if you're not feeling great, there's no stigma, well, you know, you can get through it. And if we have to help each other get through it, we, we can. Hmm. Um, so writing writing that film was was a catharsis in itself. But I think, yeah, one thing I would say about going and talking to people about any, you know, any problems we might be having, you know, it's that old saying, isn't it? What the problem, problem shared, it's a problem yeah. aft. Aft, you know what I mean? Yeah. And it's, um, I think it's it's true. I think people who can help you look at your problems in a different way and, and, and assess them kind of from afar sometimes yeah. as well, and things can seem, you know, I've found that it that, that seems, you know, you can overanalyze it and you can blow it up, and that's not to say that, that some problems aren't huge because they obviously are, but, you know, you can tell yourself a story and you're read about something that when you actually talk someone through it, you think, actually, there is something I can do about this mm. that that's going to help. Where is it? You, you can sort of guarantee your head that it's almost kind of like a hopeless thing. It's like, well, this is the situation, and I've got to deal with it. Yeah, that's it. And it, in a way, you 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 will have to deal with it. Yeah. But it's it's that like well, it's that it's that knowledge that you don't have to deal with it alone. Yeah. And I think it's so key. It's so key because I think, you know, the the minute we feel isolated, in any way shape or form in life mm. we're in trouble and i think it's the same with mental illness because i think if someone is having problems with the mental health and they feel isolated then they're going to be in a in a bad way and it's we live in a world unfortunately where the individual is is at the heart of everything and i think you know it's one thing i love about about football is is the collective is so important, not just in terms of like what happens on the pitch, but off the pitch as well. Mm. Um, like, you know, I remember when I was about, must have been about 2007, I, I, I was feeling a bit, a bit grim about myself. And I remember going to Anfield sometimes. And I, for those 90 minutes, I just totally forget what was going on. You know, I'd be stood in the cop and... I totally forget everything that was occurring in front of me. And I felt part of something. I felt I was standing shoulder to shoulder with people. Do you, do you know what I mean? Yeah. And I know that's a bit, you know, it might sound wanky or poetic, but that that helped me. That helped me. And having that opportunity to just like, to like kind of roar for 90 minutes, it was brilliant. It was brilliant. And in a way, it, it, it's a kind of similar thing. But unfortunately, football's only a 90 minute pursuit. You can go to the pub after you can you can have a laugh with your mates or whatever, but then you're gonna be on your own at yeah. some point, and that's when your thoughts are gonna catch up with you. And whilst we if we deal with things and lift each other up, we'll we can tackle this. I firmly believe that it's just a case of having the courage is the wrong way because. I think we shouldn't be trying to encourage that. Do you, do you know what I mean? Because yeah. I think it, that's like a stretch because that's saying it's like a hero's thing. Mm. It should be, we need to make it normal. Yeah. We need to make sure that there's a normality amongst us where we can go, you know what, mate, I feel like shit. Yeah. Do, do you know, and 
and they and then they allow the conversations to develop, whether that's between two people or a group of people or whatever. I don't know, but I think, uh, as I say, I think we, we, we as long as you, there are, you know there are people there for you, you should utilize them. And I think it's not just assuming as well that's because someone's like something in one situation that they're like it in another and I think you mentioned there the football that's a really good example because we've both lost people we know from the match some of the, some mutual friends some people that, that that we knew kind of individually who you'd see at the game they'd be laughing and joking you'd think oh they're, they're great you know what I mean but that's in that situation and then you know you don't know what's going on for them at home but we can ask we can find out mm-hmm. and, and you've just omitted the the, the, that was a sort of similar situation for you whereas at the match you felt like the, you know things made sense but yeah. cut away from that they didn't and I think that's something that, that the film touches on well as well because obviously when he's in the, the, the gym with the kids and he's laughing and joking and he's obviously you know the characters probably feeling like as a sense of self-worth as well because you're helping these young people and they're enjoying me coaching them and you can see them getting better but but that's not all the time that's that's kind of one one part of our lives and so, so if if you take a snapshot of of that five seconds of the film or whatever it is, you might think, oh, you know, that that, that kid's got it all together. Where is he? Hasn't? Yeah, I think so. I think that it's it's interesting because I'm not a psychologist, but I do think like the the world we live in often removes from people a, a sense of a sense of pride in what we you know in the way we are and in what we do, and that's not going to help. That mm. that's not going to help. You know we. We, the, you know, we live in. We're, we're fortunate to love enough to live in a country which, you know, I, I might be wrong. I think it's the fifth richest country. Something in the world. like that, yeah. But on a social level, for the last thirty years, and I keep going back to this, we have to, We we, you know, we don't play out in the streets anymore. We don't, you know, we don't we don't knock at our neighbours. We ignore our neighbours. You know, we we're scared, we're scared to leave our doors unlocked. And, and and I don't want to get into like a big like you know, oh, Britain was great because I'm sure it weren't. But <laughs> what I do know is the sense of community in in the wider British public has waned. Hmm. Whilst these figures have started to to lift, and that's that goes with and that goes hand in hand with a decline in industry and. I think also with that you can probably imagine that people are doing jobs that they don't necessarily like and so on and so forth and I think I think I think society's got a massive part to play in this mm. I think we have I think in many ways the, the world we live in has removed the I don't know it's just removed something from which was which was really like quite beautiful about a, a time gone by and I, I'm not a psychologist but I also think that that taps into into our self esteem on a daily basis. I've done jobs I didn't like in the past, mm. and I know for a fact that that will have not that didn't contribute well to my mental health because I felt like I was I was in the call centre for a bit, and it was great because in some ways because the people were amazing, mm. but the, the repetition destroyed me, and I wasn't really taking pride in my work or anything like that, and that didn't do me any favours. Um, and that that goes around the time I was telling you where the match was just this catharsis for mm. me because. And I think we've the with that gym scene is what I wanted to try and put across is that you can see someone who cares cares about what they're doing and cares about other people and um, also there's a community around them and you can see that like if you really did want to speak to someone they're there yeah and they're open 
because um, obviously I don't want to. I want people to see us. So I don't want to give too much away. But it's. I think it's. Um, yeah, I don't know. I think that we we just really need to focus on how we can help one another. And I do think that if we do focus on that as individuals, our mental health will improve. I really do. So the film, um, how can people see it? What, what's your plan for it? So the plan is it's showing in Liverpool on the 2nd of November as part of the Liverpool International Film Festival. Um, and that's a 530 at the Everyman Cinema, not the Everyman Theatre, the Everyman Cinema. Which uh, is in the Met Quarter. I went last week, it's so nice. I've still not been, man. It's I've great, you know, been. it's great. Okay, well, I look forward to going and, um, so, but yeah, it's on there. And it's the day of Villa away. So if you're not going the match, what you could do is you could go, you could watch the match, go for a bevy, you could go to the cinema, you can have a cinema, you can have a bevy in the cinema, can't you? So you can watch the film. Um, there's other films on. But, you know, if you didn't want to see them, you can just get off. And I know Jamie Webster's got a gig afterwards. He has, yeah. So, and I'm going to that. I, I'm so, going as well, I'll see you there. So, um, so I'll be going to that. So, you know, there's a, I think the film asks questions. Mm. You know, it asks questions about mental health and so on, so on and so forth. So it's not like, it's not like uplift and watch, but it's not it's not something that's going to make you feel gloomy, I, I don't think. Mm. Um, so, yeah. So there's a, there's a good night out on offer, I think. If you if you were so inclined to, to go along and see it, um, but yeah, tickets are on sale now on the, on the Everyman website. Great. And if people can't get there, are you, are you planning on yeah allowing people kind of further afield to see it as well? Yeah, we're, we're, uh, there's a we're still trying to work that out. We've we've had an offer of someone to um, to try to buy the film, um, but I need to work out whether that I think that's appropriate for the film because I want to get out there. Yeah. To as many people as possible without as much hindrance. So hopefully in the new year, um, it'll just be on YouTube. But I need to, I need to, I need to assess because they might offer me decent money. Yeah. If I can make a good contribution to a charity or something, that would be good in itself. But I need to work that out. So you know, time will tell. Um, but I, I imagine it'll be on YouTube at some point in the new year. Well, look yeah. out for that. Uh, nice thanks for coming in. Nice one. Jim. And um, yeah, uh, I really enjoyed the film, so thanks. Nice it's our last fan standing quiz, Neil Atkinson and John Gibbons. And we're joined by Nicky Cornish. Yeah, our, our buddy, our buddy from a ways, uh, Nicky. Uh, although we're in Liverpool and she's in the sunshine drinking vodka. It's, it seems unfair. <laughs> Nicky, what, what, what vodka are you on? What are you on? What's your mixer? Oh, well, if I'm honest, I couldn't tell you which vodka it is. But basically, we found this bar in Brussels. We found it two days ago. All the orange juice is all freshly squeezed, and we come back here to have more of that with more vodka. Tell so, you what, I'll tell you what. The year or so, so. <laughs> Sounds absolutely phenomenal. Uh, absolutely yeah. phenomenal. Crisp European afternoons with Nicky Cornish is indeed <laughs> a new show. The Anfield Rap's going to look to pilot uh, coming very soon indeed. Now, where's the leaderboard sitting at the minute, John? So last week, um, the guy playing last week got went went straight to the top. He got five. Okay. Um, before that, Liam got three. Okay. And, um, and then and then we got someone on one as well. Uh, names are escaping me at the moment. Um, but I, I feel them. like it might be Darren, but I could be wrong. Yeah, Darren got one. Yeah, uh, yeah. Okay, Nicky. So you got five to beat. Now it's these are yes. Right. These are these. I'll give you the options. Don't overcommit yeah. early. So question yeah. one: Stevie G was Liverpool's longest serving captain. Is that true or false? Now George had this one last week, but they've given us again. Yeah, he did. He did. Um. 
I think it's true. It is true, Nikki. Excellent stuff. You're on one from one. Uh, that is a relief. Uh, to be quite honest with you, number I'm level with Darren. You're, le- <laughs> you're level with Darren. Uh, do you want to do number two, John? Yeah, number two. Which Liverpool? Sorry, did Liverpool legend Graeme Souness ever manage Glasgow Rangers? That's yes or no. Yes, he did. He yeah. did, correct. Yeah, we're moving on. Number three. Excellent stuff. What is the capacity of Anfield? You've got three options here, Nicky. 54,074, 60,212, or 64,074? It's a 54,001. It is indeed. Three from three. Absolutely on the march. Go on, John. Yeah, number four. Uh, which club did Liverpool sign the final climb from in 2015? Was it Southampton or Bournemouth? Southampton. It was correct. Four out of four. I believe Darren got stitched on week one. These are all right so far, Nicky, aren't they? Honestly. To be fair, his first question was tough. Honestly, Darren was getting asked he was the top scorer in the 1894 95 season. <laughs> <laughs> got thrown at Mickey with Jack Rayball being lashed in. Uh, number five, which country does Nabi Keita represent? Is it Somalia, Guinea, or the Ivory Coast? It's Guinea. Yeah. It is Guinea, it's five, so that currently puts you joint top of the leaderboard. Uh, we'll carry on. Who scored Liverpool's first goal at home against Spurs last year? Was it Firmino, Mane or Salah? Oh, I think it was Mane. No! Oh, it was oh, no, It was Roberto Firmino. So you're joint top of the leaderboard. And when like, when we do Champion of Champions like they do on Countdown, uh, you could still be there or thereabouts come the... Uh, Come the air, uh, come the. We'll see. We'll see. Well, five appears to be the. Uh, it appears to well, the question six more accurately appears to be the iceberg upon which everyone's ship is founding. Uh, it is difficult, but thank you very much for playing, Nikki. And we're going to sort you out with some merch. Yes. Yeah, yeah. Just before you go, Nikki, did you enjoy it last night? Obviously, you were at the ground. Well, yes, but we weren't actually at the ground because we only had eleven credits, so I didn't check the stadium capacity when I booked and paid for the trip. So. Uh- we watch it in a bar in Genk. But you know what? We had a lovely time anyway. Well, as long as you had fun. <laughs> Excellent. Absolutely. <laughs> Brilliant stuff. Uh, enjoyed it in Genk. Uh, enjoying it in Brussels. Thank you very much to Nicky. It's been our last fan standing. Do check out the app. Uh, me and John have got some stuff on there before the Spurs game and on the predictor quiz as well. Thank you very much to them. Thanks to Nicky and thanks to you. I'm joined by Jacob Hickey to talk about the Liverpool Independent Wine Festival. And Jacob, this is this is its debut. This is its starting out. Where I'm getting at the ground level. I think this is very, very important. Do you want to explain first and foremost why you feel as though it's time for Liverpool to have something that might sound a little bit posh, an independent wine festival? Well, I think I think that's one of the problems. Um, people do see wine as posh, um, and I think in London and, and Manchester and Birmingham, kind of the wine seems a bit bigger. Liverpool seems to be catching on a bit more now, and people are a bit more open to it. So prosecco, rosé, and things have always been a big thing in Liverpool, but people get more interested in. Nice weighty reds and fancy whites. So you're working with a friend of the show, Dev at R and H Fine Wine on this. And Dev, when you mentioned Liverpool getting more into it, Dev's been part of that process uh, to a significant extent, hasn't he? Yeah, well, Dev supplies a lot of like the best wine bars in Liverpool, and he, his work with like lots of independent small suppliers means that you're getting a lot more interest in wine than you used to be able to in Liverpool. It's it's something which I think is. You know, there's you mentioned there the the, the sort of the version and sort of wine bars that are popping up around the city. You've worked yourself at Buyers Club for a period of time, and players places like that are really sort of are growing really really fast in the city centre. It's something you know people may not be aware of. Certainly, if they're from outside the city, maybe if they only come over for say a couple of games a season. But there are loads and loads of places that are that are doing uh, a nice drop of wine in Liverpool at the moment. Well, yeah, I think 
part of it has been like taking away the the faff around wine, like buyers club, place like Petit. Um, there's all sorts of bars all over the city which are kind of taking away that you don't need to be you don't need to be very very knowledgeable to enjoy a glass of wine. I mean, it's it's just really nice grape juice eventually. <laughs> so as long as you can as long as you can taste it and you you like it, then there's no there's no need to know a lot about it. The wine festival is just there to obviously put a lot of really nice wine in front of people so they can enjoy it. But if they want to learn a little bit about it, then that's excellent as well. Uh, the Wine Festival will be taking place in the Baltic. Uh, whereabouts is it? So it is in the Baltic Warehouse, which is located just behind the, the Botanical Garden or the Gin Garden, as everyone knows it. Yeah. So it's a nice big space. So there'll be loads of room for um, lots of like food. It's going to be live music, loads of different wines available. Should be just a really nice day out for everyone. Are you getting a number of people in from a number of the wine bars in from across the city? Are they all going to sort of be in and be part of it? Yeah, so it, it's kind of going to work. Like everyone's going to have stalls, and so the bars are going to come with their staff, set up their stalls, and basically show off their favourite wines. So it's the most popular wines that they're selling, um, that seem to work well with their clientele, and put in front of everyone. So you know you can go and you can try like there'll be lots of reds, like white, white rosés, etc. So if you're only into one particular type of wine, that's fine. There's going to be loads of them. Vegan and vegetarian wines and things like that, absolutely fine. Who's who's coming so far? Have you got confirmed? So we've got um, Petit Cafe. Yeah, should be great. We've got Buyers Club. Um, RH will be running a bottle shop. Um, Queen's Bistro are going to be doing a store. Um, we've got. I've been there's, there's so many at the minute. Like I have to get the list out. You get the list out. It is uh, on the 9th and tenth of November. The 9th and tenth of November. Saturday the 9th and Sunday the tenth. Uh, a great thriving wa- uh, hall full of wine. Anyone who's coming over Liverpool at home to Manchester City that weekend, get yourself down the Baltic and you can see who else have you got. So we've got City Wine Bar, who are like in a business district. Very good. Right yeah. Coming along, um, Bitter Social, who um, I've been doing like pop ups around Liverpool for a okay. while. So they do like any cocktails. They're also um, doing some food for us. They'll be doing like fresh oysters. Um, they'll be doing like special croquettes as well that they've been making. Absolutely flashes anything. I like and the then, sound of this. Um, and they're going to be spe- specialised in vermouth. So as well as like wine and stuff, it's it's great based. Yep. Um, Marais are going to be there. Cool. Um, obviously everyone knows Marais in the city. Yep. Fantastic. Um, so they'll be doing like some wine, maybe some little cocktail bits as well. Um, and then we've got um, some people coming up from just outside of Liverpool called Rafella, who is uh, a couple who basically import Prosecco. Um, and they've been they've been in Liverpool for five years, so I'm interested to see what kind of different types of fizz they're bringing. Um, and so it is the ninth and tenth. You're expecting you're, you're expecting a good turnout. I'd like to think, but mm. you're expecting there to be uh, just to be a nice atmosphere around it as well. It's 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 a nice opportunity for everyone to get down into one location and have a little have have, have a nice little drink. Yeah, because we be going on from on a Saturday. It'll be from twelve, so from midday until about eleven o'clock at night. So we've got live jazz on. Um, we've got DJs on in the evening. So there's going to be a, a decent atmosphere and. Liverpool Cheese Co. are going to be there throwing um, the raclette out. So melted cheese on spuds with a glass of wine. Um, get you ready for winter. Excellent stuff. Uh, how much is it for people, for people to get in? So it's going to be £14, but that includes, uh, like, you're going to get, instead of doing tickets, like wristbands, eventually like a tote bag, it's going to have a brochure about all the different wines that people are selling. Um, and that's going to also include two drinks. So it's going to work on, like, a token system, a lot yeah, like yeah. a beer tasting. So the, the token's like £2. It all sounds very, very similar to sort of to, to beer festivals that we do have in the city. A number of people turn up to them. There's a lot of food knocking around and those sorts of things as well. Different different pubs to bring different things. It just sounds exactly like that, to be honest yeah. with you, but with wine. That's that's the idea, yeah. It's, it's a system that everyone's comfortable with. Um, and it's kind of, you can take it at your own pace. You know, if you, if you want to absolutely barrel through and try as many as you want, or you can just chill out, listen to some jazz, eat some cheese and some oysters and um, just take it slow. 
Excellent stuff. All right, then you know where it is. It is in the Baltic, at the back of the uh, the big warehouse, the back of uh, the botanical gin garden. Uh, you know how much it is, £14 to get in. Uh, it is the 9th and 10th of November. Does the £14 cover both days or just per day? Both days. We're both days. Um, we're on, we've got the tickets available on Skittle and they're done per day, which just so we could get an idea of kind of like how many people come in per day and just so we can we can sort out, you know, the logistics and stuff. Um, so yeah, tickets available on Skittle. Tickets are also available on the door. So if you pop in, pop and buy, walking around the Baltic. Feel free to come in. Excellent stuff. You've got all of that for you. Uh, and it, as I said before, it is the 9th and the 10th of uh, of uh, November. Uh, it is, uh, you can find it on Facebook and on Instagram. It's L-I-V Indie, uh, I-N-D-I-E, Wine Fest, Facebook and Instagram, Tickets Skiddle. Uh, and it is 9th and 10th of November. Check it out. Won't get better than that. Overjoyed to be joined by Charlie Eccleshare of The Athletic. Uh, the Anfield Rapper is working with The Athletic to get you the best possible coverage of uh, Liverpool and Liverpool's opponents in this slot every single week. Uh, we're made up to be working with them uh, because there's loads of excellent football writing on there, really. It's a very uncomplicated reason. Uh, it is theathletic.co.uk forward slash The Anfield Rapper if you want to sign up. Uh, and on there, there's lots of things that are re- reduced. You can make your own price offers and all that sort of stuff, but there are, they are reduced. So theathletic.co.uk forward slash The Anfield Rapper for that. Charlie, this Tottenham side is one I still can't quite work out where the line is. I wonder whether or not, in in a few senses, this side might have peaked as long ago as sort of 2016, 2017. Uh, It feels like it's been a long calendar year domestically for Tottenham, but it's been punctuated by massive European success. It's a a strange club at the moment, and and that's all in the context, obviously, of the massive win midweek. Yeah, I mean, I think everyone's trying to work it out to be honest, it's interesting looking, kind of being on the inside and, and you know, watching them very closely. And it has been, uh, it's been a really difficult few weeks. And, you know, there have been times watching it when you are thinking, you know, this feels like late Mourinho Chelsea. Um, whereas I think from the outside, um, I think maybe there's faith that they will get it together sooner or later and especially after Tuesday night when they produced a kind of performance that was more reminiscent of you know the kind of Spurs we've grown used to um the caveat there is that the opposition really weren't up to much um so it, it, it's hard to know going into this game they have been you know a real mixed bag and as you say there was this Champions League final run last year and the consensus seems to be growing that that slightly papered over some cracks that were showing domestically because their form certainly from about the start of March until the end of uh, the season domestically was very poor and that's carried on into this campaign as well. It's carried on. Now, I saw Tottenham against Watford and I thought, Frankly, Charlie, they were abject for an hour, and then they got themselves mm. together a little bit. But it was, you know, it was amongst some of the poorest performances. And then before that, I actually saw much of the game with them against Brighton, and I, I couldn't believe that how poor they were there as well. And it that's the strange thing to me is that often you see when you see a side that's in the sort of that you expect to finish in the top four, top six struggle. Tottenham are actually struggling in a different way. I mean, I thought they were thoroughly outplayed by Brighton, to be honest with you, and mm. that that shouldn't happen. It wasn't that Brighton got three goals on the break or one good goal and then two on the break. Brighton dominated the whole match, and that was almost terrifying to watch, to be honest with you. It really did look, look as though Samson had had his hair cut off. Yeah, yeah, you're right. It, it's a good point because I think Watford was perhaps more the kind of conventional upset in a sense in that Spurs conceded an early goal and then couldn't really break them down. But yeah, I mean, Brighton played all the football uh, in that match. The thing is, you know, and, and we still saw this with Jurgen Klopp's Dortmund in the final season there. When you play that kind of high intensity football, if that drops off a little bit, 
then it becomes extremely ineffective. And that's what happened in that sort of game. I mean, you, you look at Brighton, that 3-0 defeat, and Lamella allows a cross in. He's kind of strolling over there. And their whole game has been built on that intensity, that high press. Uh, take it away, and suddenly a lot of these players look quite ordinary. Um, and you've got the problem where a bunch of the players are probably going to leave at the end of the season or have come close to leaving. Uh, and so that you know, maybe takes them down a percent or two, and that that can make all the difference at that level. It's it looks to me as though it's it's been on the, it's been emphatically on the road. I mean, I'm I'm you know I've I've had a look at for instance expected goals, and we know expected goals is never the answer of football matches, but it does leave you with some clues. And sort of going right the way back to Burnley back in February, you know, Tottenham often over the course of these matches are away from home have found themselves create uh, allowing more chances, good chances to be given away than they themselves are creating. You know, pretty consistently on the road they've been. They've, you know, they've, they've been allowing the opposition to create far more than they're able to create themselves. And yeah, they've had some difficult games in that run since February. City twice, for instance, away from home, which is no battle of last for anyone. But it just looks as though there's there's a real lack of confidence when they are on the road. And as soon as one bad thing happens, which happens against Brighton, they seem to struggle to find themselves again. Yeah, I mean, they've won one... Uh, they haven't won away in the league since Fulham in January, which... Kind of tells you what you need to know, and that creativity deficit that you raise is interesting um, because in the league, not just away, but in the league uh, in general this season, home and away, only Newcastle and Palace have created fewer what opted to find as big chances, which yeah. which is quite telling. Um, but yeah, away it, it's been even more of a problem, um, and you know it, he, Pochettino's really trying to get the right balance, but he's chopping and changing a lot. Uh, they made seven changes for the Watford game, which is more uh, than they've ever made Spurs in Premier League history, which kind of tells you that he's desperately trying to find the right formula. Ericsson, who normally was the man they looked to to unlock opposition defences, well, he's been, you know, so-so for this season. He's played well in some games, but he's one of the guys who will probably be leaving at the end of the season. So they, they are struggling to break teams down. And as you say, that gets accentuated if they fall behind because then teams can just sit back and the onus is on them uh, to try and break them down. It becomes that much harder. Is there a, a conversation here around Kane? I think Kane's at his best. And, and I think this is something that doesn't get properly recognised outside of the sort of the, the, the people who watch Tottenham a lot sort of community. I think Kane's at his best actually when he isn't the sort of parody version of Harry Kane, the one who gets the tap-ins and the one who shoots all the time. I think he's at his mm. best when he's bringing people into play, when he plays almost as a nine and a half. And he doesn't get full credit, I think, for that side of his game a lot of the time. But I've been watching whenever I've seen Tottenham. He's been really struggling to demonstrate those aspects of his game, demonstrate his vision along with his goal scoring. He's got a fair few goals this season, both uh, for Tottenham and for England. But for me, he plays his best stuff when he's actually fully involved in the matches. And he looked to me to be struggling to get him fully involved for one reason or another. Well, it's it's funny you say that. It sounds as if we've coordinated this. But that, this was the subject of my very piece uh, off the back of the Red Star game. Because <laughs> Kane, I use that I use that term as well. The nine and the nine and a half, because um, he was playing that role. He was dropping deeper, but still getting a lot of shots off. Still, um, you know, being involved. Still and getting a brace. Dread- <laughs> say again. Still scoring a brace as well. You know, he's but well, he was exactly, he was so yeah, involved in the game. Completely, but interesting as well because before the game, I looked at his average shot. Uh, and his average expected goals. And they've been on a, that dreaded phrase again, they've been on a massive decline really since a couple of years ago. Uh, but against Red Star, they were back up to those sort of numbers. So I think people have this vision that to be getting a lot of shots off 
uh, and to be scoring goals, you need to be playing further forward. But that's not always necessarily the case. And I think I agree with you that I think Kane's most effective at the moment when he is playing slightly behind between the lines, getting involved, not just sort of hanging around waiting for tap-ins. And I was going to make the comparison. I didn't in the end because I just thought perhaps his role has changed a bit. But Firmino, that 9.5 seems kind of the paradigm for how to make that role work. Um, you know, he, he yeah. plays a kind of undefined role, I think. And, and that that's so effective because he's hard to pick up. And Kane was doing more of that. And he's been doing that for England as well. And, um, and yeah, it, it, it can be more effective doing that. The other, the other end of the pitch, obviously, Lloris is out with that horrible injury, and I do think that's one of the things that knocks Tottenham away at Brighton. I've seen Liverpool side struggle uh, when 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 yeah. one of your main players goes off with an injury, and I think that you know to have that compounded with a goal, I do think that that was mitigating for Tottenham. If they'd have said it at the time, it would have been deemed excuses, and so I understand why you don't. But I think all footballers struggle at times when they see a, certainly a, a very embedded teammate go off with a bad injury. I think it does knock them. But, you know, so the goalkeeper won't be Lloris. For me, it's interesting midweek. He starts with Vertonghen and Sanchez uh, at centre-back, and that looked like it might be a good partnership. I, I thought Vertonghen was was really ropey against Watford. He's, the, the penalty incident to me looked like a footballer who didn't entirely trust his legs anymore. Although the others mm. been in a similar boat as well. Both are getting on a little bit. I do wonder whether or not it might now be time for... For, for Pochettino to maybe commit to Sanchez with one of them, uh, not least because both are still one away. Well, exactly. And the other the other option is Juan Foyth, um, the young Argentinian, who's uh, he's very talented as well. He's you know he's young and he's you know a bit callow. He's smaller, but he's very good on the ball. And I think there is a thought that maybe you know that that's I think within Spurs that's been a partnership they've hoped. Uh, would come together sooner, Foyt and Sanchez. Mm. Hasn't quite happened yet, but with uh, Vertonghen and Alderweireld both probably leaving at the end of the season, that is one for the future. And certainly Sanchez looks like he's done enough. I'd expect him to start probably with Vertonghen uh, on the weekend. Do you think he may use Foyt at right back at Anfield? Possibly. I mean, that's where he plays for Argentina, um, and he's done pretty well there. I think Aurier will probably keep his place. Uh, he actually was quite good. Um on Tuesday, I mean, there <laughs> there is a caveat there, you know, by his standards, uh, and he's he's one of those players you never feel is far away for, from dropping a clanger. I guess the Liverpool equivalent would be maybe Moreno over the last few years, you know, that kind of fullback where that they can have good games, but you never quite trust them. Uh, but I suspect Aurier will probably keep his place as well. Do you think he may well be very, very similar to the side that started against Red Star? I mean, it's a big gap, isn't it, Tuesday through to Sunday? It was a bit of a change of shape. Do you think he may just simply go with the same eleven? I think Winks may come back in to try and give him a bit more control. For Ndombele? Uh, of the mid. Say again? For Ndombele. Yeah, potentially. Or Ndombele could move further forward, maybe instead of Ali. Uh, now, Ali has played a bit better uh, in the last couple of games, you know, getting a bit more of that kind of sense of mischief and the glint in his eye back, which is when Ali's at his best. But for a game as big as this, and given the intensity with which Liverpool play and how strong their central field is, I wonder if maybe uh, he'd be the one to make way. Uh, I'm expecting Lamella to start, Son and Kane. Yeah, exactly, yeah. I, I, I mean, I don't think... I mean, all three of them were outstanding in week, so I don't know how you could drop any of them. Uh, give me a prediction for the game. Uh, I think Liverpool will win 2-1 two, 2-1 two, Liverpool from uh, I, I think Spurs will compete I think I think they'll um, have more about them than in recent weeks but Liverpool will just 
formidable. So, I think, yeah, I think they'll they'll get the win. Uh, excellent stuff. Thank you very much from Charlie there. From The Athletic, uh, theathletic.co.uk forward slash the Anfield Wrap to sign up. You can read Charlie's work. You don't just have to read Liverpool stuff. You're on top of Liverpool stuff. But there's so much fantastic writing right the way through The Athletic. Download the app as well. It's lovely to use. Uh, thank you very much to Charlie. Let's get back over for the rest of the show. It is the weekend. Uh, back with us in the room. I've got Joel. I've got Gareth. I've got John. Great to hear from Charlie uh, about the Tottenham side of things. And you go into these games at times, Joel, being at times wound up about the the idea of the side that's going to come, at times concerned, at times thinking, you know, this is a good side and a side that can get amongst you. And that's been true of Tottenham. And it was true of Tottenham last time they came. We talk about the long decline. But the truth of the matter is that Tottenham, at least in the league, uh, Europe a little bit different now, but at least in the league, it's been a long time since they played well. It's been horrendous, haven't you? It is. I know a lot's been said of the situation, but they're an absolute shadow of the team they were. I go even far as saying 12, 18 months ago because that second half of the season, as you alluded to there, is relegation form for them. I'm intrigued to see, I'm a bit curious, maybe a little bit anxious about what Tuesday night will do to them because that's, you know, a big win like that in front of the fans. The fans are loving it, the crowd are loving it. You know, that, that could G him back up again. But the, the thing is... If Liverpool turn up on their day, the Spurs that we are dealing with at the moment should be they should be swatted aside. They really should be swatted aside, um, and, and just they seem to they always give a good, always a good game at Anfield. But at the moment, they they are there. If we can start and get out of the traps early on Sunday, we we could put the nail in, in Pochettino's coffin. To be honest. There's, it's been so long, John, since they've got a result on the road. They were good against Leicester going back into September, and then there was the the, the VAR decision that it felt like it knocked them off. You've got to go back absolute months. You've got to go back into deep into last season to see when they last won uh, a game on the road, and that is that is absolutely startling. You know, it's all the way back uh, to Fulham on the twentieth of January. That's the side that's coming to Anfield today. It's worth pointing that out. It's worth saying that you know they they really have been struggling and they will raise their game for Liverpool the European Cup final will be fresh in their minds but that's the pedigree Sunday the 20th of January the last win away from home in the Premier League that's absolutely mad I didn't know that and that's a long time and it shows a bit of lack of character in the team I think and so you say that they although raise the game against Liverpool and they might but then what do they do when something goes wrong and what do they do when something goes against them and you know if Liverpool can start well and go a goal up you know, where are they then? And look, they might surprise me, but I just think if we can get on top of Spurs, then then I think they'll crumble a bit because they just look like that te- sort of team at the moment. The, you know, when, when the tails are up and they're doing well and it's looking good, yeah, the, they can play some good football and they've obviously got talent, but, you know, when it's, when it's tough and going against them, that's when you struggle, when confidence is low, when a couple of players, maybe the heart's not quite in it, you know, a couple of them, you know, maybe thought they'd have left Spurs by now or, or aren't happy with the manager or, or whatever it is that they've got going on at the moment. You know, that's when they those things start creeping in, when, when there's another team on the top and they're just, you know, looking around going, oh, Liverpool are well better than us and they're on it and the crowd's on it. I can hear Robbo from here. And you know what I mean? And stuff like that. It's, you know, you, that's what we want. That's what we want to be enforcing on Tottenham on Sunday it is one it's interesting John mentions the crowd there Gareth it's it's half past four kickoff, albeit on a Sunday but the nights are drawing in um, that's Sound very much like me, Nan. <laughs> <laughs> but the nights are drawing in. <laughs> Billy Butler there. Yeah. Uh, honestly, I, I am available. Um, there is there is something, isn't there, where 
you'd, you'd like to think Anfield will be up for this big time on Sunday and you'd like to think that, that could really play a part against this Tottenham side. You'd like to think this is maybe one. It's been a while since we've seen a big Liverpool fast start um, at home. Um, it's been a while since we've been quite sort of 16-17 rather than, or 17-18 rather than 18-19. But maybe, just maybe, this is a game for Liverpool to put a lot of energy into the first half an hour. Yeah, absolutely. And I, I think, you know, they, they get that win in the week, don't they? And, I've been reading some Tottenham Twitter and Tottenham forums and stuff, and they're describing it as, you know, their best performance of the season. Which, which to be fair, like there's not a lot, a lot to choose from. <laughs> um, but you know, the, the the thirteen points off Liverpool already in 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 the in the Premier League, and I, I think you know before the season, before the ball was kicked, you know they were among they were being tipped to be among, you know, the teams that can go for the title, and perhaps they come here wounded animal type thing trying to make a point. And Liverpool have got to make a point the other way. I, I always regard Spurs as someone that we do need to be making a bit of a point against on and off the pitch because they are pretenders to our big club crown, if you like. You know, they've built that big ground yep. now. Um, it's fantastic, to be fair to them. It looks the business. Uh, they need the team and the manager to go with it, though, and they need to start winning things. So um, I'd like them to be put in their place. And I think as well, you know, we talk about statements. We've got to keep making statements to Man City. You know, we've opened a little tiny chink of light with what happened at Old Trafford. If we absolutely bury Tottenham, then that makes another statement about, you know, we're not messing about and that was just a one-off. I think it's fair to expect that they are going to be like a wounded animal and there could be a reaction from the Champions League final, but it could easily work the other way, though, where they might have a bit of a mental block against us now in the way that Arsenal do when they come to Anfield now. Um because the Champions League final played out the way it did and you know Liverpool weren't really on 100% but he still won very comfortably Spurs might think what have we got to do to get past these and, and he add on to the fact that they're early season form at some point on Sunday we've got to remember the, the Brighton game and Spurs looked like relegation fodder on that day terrible mm. against Watford as well yeah they were lucky to get away with that it should have been 2-0 down because you had a penalty against them mm. you know and that's got to come into our thoughts on Sunday I think Gareth to me, they just all. I mean, it's interesting. He, 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 there's no Alderweireld uh, against uh, against Red Star. He goes with Vertonghen and Sanchez because when I was watching the game against Watford, to me Vertonghen he looked like, and we've seen it in loads of really good players. The moment where a defender suddenly his body's just letting him down a little bit, where suddenly he's not quite as quick over five yards as he once was. That's what the penalty is. The penalty mm-hmm. is he thinks I'm going to come across you here and sweep this away, and instead what happens is he ends up basically fouling the lads. He's lucky to get away with it. And I just sort of look at this Tottenham side and it really does look, it looks in a di- in different ways in terms of the transfers as well. It all looks like it's a year, a year and a half, maybe even two years too long, whether that's psychological or at times just simply physical. Yeah, I think you're right in that. You know, I think they're on the downwards curve now. I think the the Champions League final is probably the high point and, and they're going to struggle to sort of get back up there with what, what they've got currently. It feels to me like they've got to change the manager. That, that That's done. I think if maybe they'd won the thing he might have walked away, given the stuff he was saying before the final. I think now he's just sort of lingering around. You've got players lingering around who, who wanted to go. Um, and I think all of it's reflected, not just in you know the results you're seeing and where they are in the league, but also when you take a little bit deeper as well. I mean, I was having a look before and repeating some of the stuff I said on the preview video, but you know it's worth watching anyway. Um, it is. We, we said on there about you know they're not creating many big chances now. Yeah. Um, and you know that's always like you know one of the frustrations for me about Liverpool at Old Trafford was the, the quality of the chances that we were creating. We see we put that right very quickly, albeit against Genk. 
But I think we can do it again against Tottenham. Tottenham, on the other hand, are not doing it regularly. They're not creating good chances. Being a huge drop off. You know, Ericsson's just hanging round. He doesn't want to be there. He wanted to go. We know that. You're mentioning the defence as well. They're giving up loads of shots the other the other way round. They're giving people opportunities. And we know watching Liverpool that if you give us opportunities more often than not, they're, they're ending up in the back of the net. So, you know, it, it feels like Groundhog Day doing talking about games that are coming up, but we're that good. And, and, so, <laughs> yeah. and so it should be Groundhog Day because this is another one where you're like, I can't really look beyond Liverpool winning it and winning it well. Uh, team selection. Uh, he's talked, like Matt, it was might, might be a couple of weeks. Trent is just down as a virus, uh, John. Uh, I'll... Let's act as though we think Trent's going to start, uh, and then let's step into who do you think he'll start at centre half next to Van Dijk. It's it's hard to say really because that half an hour he gives Gomez just makes you think. Well, has he done that to try and get him on? You know, a, a few minutes ahead of ahead of the weekend. I think if Matip's not available, then you know, and obviously we'll know, we'll know more about the from the press conference, but it's not available. I've got a feeling he might, he might try and get Gomez in there. I think that might have been about because he gives him a good half an hour there. And I understand he might want to give Robbo a rest as well, so that might be sort of part of it, but I wouldn't be surprised to see kind of Gomez come in for this one. Okay. Um, Gareth, who do you think he'll play in central midfield? Fabinho on which two? Yeah, it's interesting now, isn't it, after the week? I mean, I know some people are like, yeah, let's play that mad midfield again. Uh, but I think there's absolutely no chance of that, personally. <laughs> I think Van Aldum's got to come coming back in. I think, he's, you know, he's the, the, the consistent rock in the midfield, if you like. And I know some people don't like him for whatever reason, don't really get that. I personally do like him. I think he does loads of jobs and does loads of jobs well, and it's hard to do loads of jobs well. He's not a specialist in, in one of them, perhaps. But, you know, having a fella that can attack, can defend, can hold his position, can more often than not be available for a pass, that type of thing, is not to be sniffed at, and he's really good at all of those things. Um, I, I think, got a sneaking suspicion that maybe you might stick with Oxlade Chamberlain. Just, just off what you're saying about the idea of starting quickly. Um, so while he might not have the 90 in him, you know, he could he could have forty five and more, he could have sixty in him and perhaps that wins is the game if you like. I think Henderson's struggling at the moment for form and maybe is a little bit tired. Um and so maybe, you know, him coming off the bench later on to a nice applause and a nice bit of appreciation as well would be nice psychologically. I can see that with Henderson, but I do think he will go back to Henderson for being your white Alden midfield. Because I do think he's going to do like in City as well. And I'm keeping that in mind. I think he's going to treat Spurs like a Leicester game, really. And uh, if he sees him at their standard and their quality, because Leicester will be there or thereabouts this season. But he starts Milner against Leicester. Because we're all acting here like Milner's not got a shout yeah, in this. Yeah, and and I, it wouldn't surprise me if Milner gets, ends up in this midfield somewhere. The only thing with Milner doing 90. I mean, well, that, again, is the, that is the thing, yeah. Doing 90 against Genk might force him out. But then again, we don't know if Trent will make it back all the time. You know, he's got a virus. But. You know, so you have two days max training and possibly, we'll see. But no, I mean, Oxlade-Chamberlain will be absolutely fuming getting dropped after what he's just done, scoring the best goals ever existed in football <laughs> on Wednesday. But imagine him coming on 60 if we need him to get a result. You know, he'll be absolutely firing. And I think that's possibly something that Klopp might use as an ace in the hole. Um, who are you going for in midfield? I'd pick... Fabino, Wijnaldum, and I might go Keita. I thought Keita played really well, and I think, you know, obviously Chamberlain gets the attention for the goals, and, and, and that's Sam because, you know, goals are the best bit of our thought. <laughs> but, but I thought Keita was excellent, and, and I think there will be a keenness to, to give Keita a go while he's got a bit of a, a tailwind, if you like. 
Okay, a uh, quick prediction, John? Uh, I think Liverpool will win pretty comfortably. Gareth? 3-0 to Liverpool. That's pretty comfortably. Joel? 3-1. I'll say that. Oh, you're very kind to Tottenham Hotspur. Uh, <laughs> Joel, they're not creating any big chances. Gareth looks into it. <laughs> Great stuff throughout. Thanks for listening to the weekend of this week. Don't forget, if you haven't already, download the Anfield Wraps app. You get loads of free tokens and the ability to be able to look at the, some of the premium content. Check all of that out. That's there for you right now on Google Play and Apple Store. Is it Google Store and Apple Play? I never know, to be quite honest with you. I'm betraying my age. Uh, hopefully, Liverpool do the business for us against Tottenham Hotspur. It'll be a hell of a weekend if so. Thanks for listening. Take it easy. Sports Social Podcast Network.